July 5th, 1948. It was a very hot day, my mama said, and she uh, had a large garden and the corn was about ready. And so she picked, shucked, canned nine pints of corn the day I was born later in the day. And she said it wasn't quite ready, but uh, that's why she says, I always like my sweet corn nubbiny, not so... I can't eat bought corn. It tastes like field corn to me because the, the grains are so big. That's what shaped me to love the first tenderest sweet corn. And my parents were Winfred and Laverne Upchurch, uh, lived on a small farm outside of Glen Allen. I had uh, an older brother and uh, died tragically uh, when we were teenagers, and then uh, a much younger brother who still owns and farms a family farm. What, do you, what, do you, what comes to your mind about your childhood? Well, my first memory is of us getting electricity in the house. And I was only two, and that's very unusual. My mom always said that for anybody to remember uh, when they're that young. And I only have their picture memories. The man who put in the, wired the house, uh, Mr. Elmer Hahn, was so patient with my older brother and I, we followed him around as he did all the wiring work. And the overhead boxes for the overhead fixtures, they punched out little metal about the size of a nickel pieces to run the wires in. And my memory is of him up on the ladder in, we called it the little bedroom at that ceiling fixture and looking at the floor with the sawdust and those nickels laying in them. And then I have another picture of him doing the same thing, only the, the floor was concrete down at the bottom of the basement stairs. But my brother and I thought that we were wealthy. We had all those nickels that came from uh, electricity. Okay, so what else from your Remember, oh, things that we played, sure. uh, uh, having grown up on a farm, <clears throat> uh, and my brother being older, we played farm quite a bit, and the old front porch was not, was concrete, but it was not uh, built properly, and it had sunk, so there were a lot of cracks, and those made our fields, and uh, of course, I got the tractor with three wheels, <laughs> and the uh, cow with two legs, but we played farm all over that front porch. And, and that was the story my mama told, too, about uh, lizards liked that porch. And I was younger, and my brother didn't want to go out on the porch. And she said, I said to him, Ah, Fade, eards won't hurt you. That's what I called the lizards. And uh, so that's a memory of playing there. It was a great place of an evening. Uh, my dad had a hammock swung between the rails, and we had a porch swing. Many hours of me reading, uh, pushing back and forth the wrong way in the swing, my feet up on the chain, uh, <laughs> reading and reading. And, of course, the night sky was very visible. 
and uh, looking at the stars in the Milky Way, listening for the first whippoorwill, the first Katie did. Uh, it was a time we didn't have a television, so we, it was cooler, no air conditioning. It was cooler on the front porch, so we stayed out there until we went to bed. Lots of good family memories. Yeah. Well, across, the house faced the gravel road, mm-hmm. and uh, Creek was at the far end of the fields, and then there was high hills on the other side, and 4th of July was a big deal because Daddy had made a little little gun out of a bent pipe, and he and my brother liked to put firecrackers mm. in the end and shoot them, and oh, it echoed off the hill over there wonderfully. But our favorite old dog, Lucky, was terrified mm. of firecrackers, and he cowered and hid. <laughs> Where was your farm again? It was at Glen Allen, which is in Bullinger County. Okay. But it was about, oh, I don't know, a quarter mile out of Glen Allen. And started, my folks started with a 40-acre farm. Uh, Daddy served in World War II in the Pacific. Mama worked, they were engaged. Mama worked at a small arms uh, plant in St. Louis. And uh, they saved toward their goal of buying a farm. It's a kind of a funny story, too. Uh, the man who had the farm for sale told them their price, and they agreed. And Mama said she thought that he was sorry that he didn't really want to sell it and didn't think they would be able to buy it. And he moved to a, a house in Glen Allen, but he walked out every day and walked around. And she said he picked up and took anything that was lying around, including she had wash hanging on the line, and he took the clothesline down and took it. And she was angry, and she was taken in the clothes, and she said, well, what'll it be next? The well? And he said, I would if I could. So that's, this is after they moved in, and, and oh yeah, they he, had he bought would it. Just come out and yeah, and wander around. He still <laughs> felt that it was his property, or something? he just missed it. I guess yeah. that's what Mama thought. He Aren't just what a character. Clothes line, yeah. wow. <laughs> with clothes on it. Wow. <laughs> well, so uh, were your parents from the St. Louis area? How no. did they end up buying a farm down here? They both grew up around Glen Allen. Oh, okay, and then she ended up working up there. During, said, during, the, during war, the war, okay. uh, they were engaged. And, and so they knew each other before. <clears throat> yes, they were engaged before Daddy left for service. Do you remember where the location was of that munitions plant? It wouldn't have been Goodfellow, was it? No. I have a newspaper article that the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published. It showed all the women working in the factory. Oh. And Mama is in the picture. Oh, wow. And I could look up the name. I don't recall it. But uh, there was, I have read a couple of novels from this library about, one of them was uh, The Code Women, who worked, who, a great book. But the other one I I read also, which I just finished, was The Wartime Sisters. That's an excellent book, too. But it shows kind of the bond that the women workers developed. In Mama's pictures, there are, you know, wedding showers. There's, you know, outings that this group of women, they became good friends, support each other, and wrote wrote letters. After, uh, Mama has a whole chest of correspondence with her and Daddy during the war. 
So with whom did she stay? She had an apartment, um, and a lot of her roommates there's pictures of. She started out by my father's aunt, lived in Webster Groves, and she uh, stayed with her, I think, briefly, but she got an apartment and uh, stayed with other women who were working there, too. Some of, I don't think there were any from her hometown that she knew, really, but... uh, That's very brave of her. Yeah, Mama was pretty spunky because when she got word that Daddy was coming home, he'd been in New Guinea, um, she took uh, her sister's husband, drove her to California Mm. to stay with an aunt and uncle uh, to meet Daddy. Mm. But when was he coming? Didn't know. So she got a job in a candy factory. While and, she was waiting in oh California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's funky. And she had to ride the bus quite a little ways. <clears throat> and so one day they tell them they have to join the union. It's going to be so much money. And Mama said, I wasn't going to be here that long. And she said, I told them, no, I wouldn't join. So they said, okay, you can leave. So there she was way out there with no bus schedule to pick her up. So she said, I walked and I ran and I walked and I ran all by herself until she got to a a place where she could get a bus and get back. And the funny thing about that is, Mama loved licorice, but she never, ever ate licorice again because she said all the candy that dropped on the floor went into the licorice because it was black and it didn't Mm. show the dirt. Wow. Well, how did she get to the plane? The bus. She rode a bus. But, but when, so when they let her go, there were no buses coming at that time of day. Oh, gosh. so she could have gotcha. waited, but yeah, yeah she, she was could have waited all day. But I don't know. Maybe they she were not very been. nice to her, and mm-hmm. she decided it was better mm-hmm. to go. Can't even imagine the strength of the unions back then, right. or the strength of Mama's will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so she went to California to to meet him. They come back here, they get married, and they're farming. Were they full-time farmers? Yes. Wow. And that is um, not as unusual in in the 40s, uh, 50s, uh, as it is today to make your entire living from a small farm in Bullinger County where there's a lot of rocks. (laughs) But uh, my brother continues to do that. And uh, so that, of course... Daddy added land as he was able to, and my brother has too, uh, but it's... Uh, so a little co- bit more than 40 acres. Oh, now. yes. <laughs> oh, yes. But machinery changed, and of course, Lynn and I played, my brother and I played farm a lot. We had a pretty good-sized front yard, and Mama mowed it, but Lynn thought we should make it into hay. So we, we ha, he raked it into windrows with the garden rake which is terrible to use and then we picked it up and put it in the red wagon and delivered it over to the barn driveway where he had a one gallon paint bucket rigged up with a pulley and I was to load the bucket and he pulled it up the pulley and we had our own haystack in the barn loft and I got a ride back in the wagon because uh, I had helped him with making hay. It was many loads. And of course my grandpa still, my dad's dad lived at Glenown also. He still farmed with horses and had a pair of horses. One of those haymaking times with my brother and I, his horses were in the barn lot 
And why I had my doll with us, I don't know. <laughs> but Jello was a red cloth doll with a plastic face. And I still have Jello. But the dent in her cheek is from where the horse thought the five-gallon bucket had something in it besides a doll, I guess. And he stepped on her face. Oh. So Jello has a dented cheek. <laughs> so what kind of... Uh, that's amazing. What kind of what, what kind of farm was it? What did you do? To uh, well, Daddy had hogs. And he also had milk cows, uh, Jersey milk cows. He grew alfalfa hay. He grew corn. He grew wheat. Um, they had a, a a milk route in Glen Allen. I don't know how many Jersey cows they had. At least six. But uh, um, he brought the milk in. Mama strained it. Uh, out any bits of, of hay or cow hair or whatever and bottled it and we had a route she drove the car to Glen Allen and my brother and I sat in the back seat and uh, she delivered it to the customers who loved to talk mm -hmm. they also loved on a quart of Jersey milk at least a third of the jar was heavy cream mm -hmm. they loved that I did too we had that on our cereal of a morning and ooh yummy is that is that exclusive to Jersey cows? Guernseys also have a high butter fat, okay. but uh, they're, they're two that have the highest butter fat level. Holsteins, the big black and white ones, are a dairy, but they're milk volume. They produce the highest volume of milk, but my folks were after the, and they sold cream. Um, mm. um, Mr. Hood picked it up at the end of the driveway in the milk cans, and uh, they did that for a while and had a little separator machine in the basement, which I can barely remember them doing that. But that's the kind of farming farming they did. Right. Do you remember any national um, events that went on when you were a child that stick out in your mind? Well, I remember when Eisenhower was elected president because we had a television then, and it was very annoying, all of the political hoopla that usurped the normal uh, television shows. Uh, I definitely remember the Cuban Missile Crisis because I was probably 13, 14. Uh, my parents had decided to add a bedroom on the back of the house for me, so I'd have my own room, and uh, the building supplies were stacked out in the backyard. My good friends said, oh, your folks are building a bomb shelter, because that was all the talk mm. uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and of course it wasn't a bomb shelter, but <laughs> mm -hmm. that's something from national events, I mm -hmm. remember. I was in high school when Kennedy was assassinated. That was definitely a, a memory in Miss Crenshaw's English class uh, when they announced that. What What did you, coming from a farm, being in, in school, what were you, uh, you know, like someone that wanted to get back out and, and be at the farm, or were you academic? Or I was academic. Yeah. I wanted to get it all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> and that's funny because I never felt... Uh, that kind of pressure from my folks. Mm. One reason that they bought the farm they did was because it was only, well, it wasn't even quite a quarter mile to the school. And they wanted me, well, and my brother, they wanted their children, they didn't have any at that time, to have a good education. And it was a two-room school that I started in. Skipped to school every day. Mama said I never walked, but I had penny loafers. I guess that was about third grade. I was so proud of uh, shiny penny in them and I polished those shoes every morning before school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
but uh, schools in, in Bullinger County consolidated when I was in third grade. And we went that last month to the old Rock Elementary building in Marble Hill. It was like sardines, all these kids from the country mm-hmm. schools in this room. Oh, I don't know how the teacher coped. It was so hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was an adjustment. How far was that from? Oh, three and a half house? miles. How'd you get the bus? Mm-hmm. Bus ran uh, by our house, mm-hmm. and uh, the cafeteria warm hot lunches were something new, quite an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my first day they had green peas, which I ate, and the merry-go-round was something we didn't have at Glen Allen. So uh, I thought it looked like fun, but I didn't know you had to get off the direction you're going. <laughs> so I tried to get off the wrong way. So <clears throat> I guess I was getting nauseous. Anyway, my peas came back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Not oh. a good memory. <laughs> yeah. Those merry-go-rounds are outlawed now. <laughs> don't don't have those. I guess too many people got off and got hit or something. Uh-huh. But uh, went to to the um, the rock school in Lutesville. It's not now. It's all Marble Hill uh, for fourth. Fifth, sixth grade, they were building what is now the main school, and sixth grade was in that new building. And then we went back to the old uh, high school in Lutesville, and uh, and I intended to go to college. My parents encouraged me, and uh, I went to Cape. And uh, why did I major in home economics? Well, I, I loved Mrs. Rom, our teacher, and I worked for her with the COE program my senior year. And uh, what is COE? Cooperative Occupational Education. And uh, I was very active in FHA, Future Homemakers of American High School. Uh, enjoyed being a regional officer and going to state meeting. She drove an old station wagon, and we stopped over here at at what's it's not town and country anymore what did they olympic steakhouse uh, we stopped there and ate on the way to jeff city also in steelville i'll remember that little restaurant we stopped there because we didn't eat out much when i was a kid at all <clears throat> the olympic steakhouse in town mm-hmm. and it used to be a grocery store oh no it was a restaurant oh okay i thought you said country it, town and country oh town and country yeah but when the lout girls bought it they called it town and country the restaurant. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's right. But Daddy's, Daddy was on the school board, and he, he thought being a home ec teacher was a really good idea because they had an extended contract. They worked an extra month a year, and they were expected to make home visits hmm. to check on their students, see what projects they had going on, what uh, things were they doing for a home project. You know, I remember showing Miss Rom... Uh, it was like a wash stand that I had stripped and refinished. And, uh, oh, she was always so complimentary about everything that uh, her students did. But Daddy said, you know, you'll make more money uh, if you do that. So it wasn't just extra work. You were paid an extra money. The VOAG teachers still have that. Mm-hmm. The home ec teachers lost that somewhere along with funding. Uh, and the lessening of the emphasis on being a productive homemaker and being a dual homemaker uh, wage earner mm. entered that curriculum mm. emphasis from the State Department. 
So somewhere along there, that extra extra work, uh, extra pay disappeared. Or... So that is so what you're saying, though, is that at the end of the school year, the kids were in those courses, I guess, were expected to have projects this summer. And yes. then you would go and check in with them. Mm-hmm. VOAG students have SOE, okay. if I could tell you what that stands for. But that's their that's their career project, and it's marvelous to hear some of them talk about. Some of these kids in high school have quite a, a productive cattle herd, make quite a good income. Uh, <clears throat> so it's surprising sometimes what what that project uh, gets them started in in a good uh, business. Is that a rural thing, or is that everywhere? Because I grew up in suburbia, and I never heard of that kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure it's uh, rural. It's funded, a lot of it, through the Carl Perkins Vocational Education Act, which, I don't know who Carl Perkins was. I think he was a senator from Tennessee or something. But he uh, pushed vocational preparation, education, and fun- resulted in funding. Uh, even when I was teaching, I could get grants Carl Perkins grants for things. Well, in the early 80s, in Fredericktown, the students built houses and sold them. Oh, yes. Yeah, and they're over there by... Andy Yunt had the yeah. building trades class. But I did go to Cape my first two years uh, to college. Uh, my husband, Dwight, was a chemistry major. He was a senior, and uh, his good friend was a chemistry... La- All home ec majors had to take organic chemistry, mm-hmm. and... And he, his good friend was a lab assistant in my lab, but Dwight was in there checking out all the girls. Evidently, I caught his eye. So uh, at the end of our, he went to graduate school at, at Ames, Iowa, and at the end of my sophomore year, we got married, and I went to Ames and finished, and man, that was an awakening. Uh, their home ec department was humongous. Uh, the elementary education department was included in it. Oh, several other fields, and uh, it was a huge campus. We lived in uh, married student housing, which was World War II Quonset huts, and uh, some of them had rounded roofs. Mm-hmm. Ours had a flat roof. <clears throat> no, I think it sloped a little bit. Old uh, kerosene heaters that clogged up the chimneys. There was always a fire in somebody's chimney, mm. and the mice were just horrible. This was in the mid '60s, right? Yeah, we got married in. We've been married 51 years. We got married in '68, and uh, you know when it finally got really cold and the snow piled up, we didn't have mice coming in. But I can remember Dwight spent a lot of hours uh, in the chemistry lab working, and I remember studying with gloves on because it was so cold. And here'd come a mouse crawling in. I'd, you couldn't leave any food on the counter to thaw or anything because the mice would get it. And I'd whack them with the broom. <laughs> I got pretty good at <laughs> annihilating mice with the broom. This was in Iowa. In Ames, Iowa. Iowa State University. And I graduated before he was done, uh, did some substitute teaching there, and then we moved to um, Hamill. We lived in Fairfield, Ohio, which is kind of a suburb of uh, Hamilton, Ohio, very industrial town, uh, Fisher Body and Mosler Safe, about 60,000 population. He worked for Procter & Gamble as a research chemist, and I... Your husband was a lawyer. He is. Okay, somewhere along the line. Yeah. Uh, and, and I taught in two different 
middle schools in Hamilton, Ohio. So we're talking about home visits. We were still required to make those. And at the first high school, it was middle school I taught at, we joked, it was not the best part of town. And, well, I hated it on the way to school if the trains were going and I had to stop at the railroad tracks and all these kids were looking at me. I thought they would push me under the... <laughs> into the train wasn't quite that bad but we joked about our home visits so that was where we returned all the knives and the guns that we had wow. confiscated from our students <laughs> during the year which wasn't really true did you walk to school? no I drove I drove but it was a rough school rough part of town and uh, the next year I went to the we call it the country club junior high it was a different area of town totally and I had, I loved to sew, and uh, I had a clothing class, and I'm kind of a perfectionist, but I guess I am a perfectionist. But anyway, one little gal, she had, all they were making was a simple A-line dress, but it had a patch pocket on it. And she had taken that pocket back off so many times, it was practically a hole there. And her mother came for a conference, and she said, can't you just give her a D, she said. <laughs> she said she, she doesn't really ever want a soul. I thought, well, no wonder after me making her take that pocket off <laughs> all those times. But anyway, that was so my first grade, teaching experiences. And what grade was that that you were teaching? Seventh, eighth, and ninth. Oh. Mm -hmm. And this would have been the early 70s, late 70s? Yes, and our salaries were so good. My first teaching salary, I believe, was $5,700 a year. But you know it's all proportional. Sure. <laughs> but uh, that was another reason my dad had encouraged me to be a teacher, because he thought they made good money. Uh -huh. So uh, it's relative, I'm sure. But I did, I, I did enjoy... Uh, my students, I loved what I taught very much. And I was out of teaching for 16 years. Uh, when we had our first child, well, Dwight had a good job, and I stayed, I was a full-time homemaker. Stayed with my kids for 16 years. And somewhere there at 16 years, Dwight decided it was time for a career change, and he decided to move back to Missouri and go to law school at WashU. And uh, so we bought a place here. His mother was not that well. It was nice to be around her for the last few years of her life. And uh, he drove back and forth every day to school. And uh, that was, to me, quite an ordeal. Where were you living when he went to Washington? Where we live now, which is uh, 72 East on 212. It's a commute. Yeah, it was a pretty good drive for him. But, uh, so you were in Ohio in the early 70s. How long did you stay up? You said Ohio? Mm -hmm. And how long did you stay up there before you? Uh, 18 years. And then you came here? Yes. Directly from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Went from Iowa State. He took a job with Procter & Gamble and okay. we moved to Ohio. We actually lived in Indiana, uh, just maybe as far as from here to the post office. Uh, in to Indiana. It was a wonderful community that we lived in. It was rural farming community. It's where our kids went to school, Michael through fifth grade, and then we moved back here. Was it an adjustment then? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> Jonathan, our youngest, was uh, not well at all. He had had serious medical problems, and I really did not want to leave our doctors in Cincinnati, uh, our 
supportive church and the neighbors. I mean, they were they were wonderful. I stayed in the hospital with John, and uh, you know they came in and fed the other kids and got them off to school and cleaned my oven and all that horrible, you know, daily stuff. So I was not really sure it was the right thing to do. But uh, whither thou goest, I will go. <laughs> and I have not regretted it at all. What did you have to do to get back in routine? When John went to kindergarten, our youngest one, then I started uh, looking. Um, there was an ad in the DN for a part-time aide at Mark One. Hmm. And John's kindergarten was half day. And so I got that job. I was a remedial reading aide. I loved it. You didn't uh, have to recertify or anything like that? No, I did um, I did take classes to the superintendent there at Mark One, Mr. Deerdorf. He was great. Uh, what year was this? This would have been late 80s, mid 80s? Oh, yeah. Just so that I 86, probably. Okay. 85, 86. But uh, I... I was a remedial reading aide, and he looked at my um, college hours and said, you know, you have enough hours, you could teach English. They needed uh, uh, an English teacher. And so I went ahead and took two English courses. Uh, they weren't online back in those days. I think I took tests at the extension office or something. But anyway, you could do your work at home and, and got my English certification. But I taught uh, six no, 7th, 8th, and ninth grade English at Mark 1, one year. And then the home ec opening came available here, and I applied for that. Before that, though, <clears throat> I took my resume, and I went to all the school districts I thought were in drivable distance and applied for a job, or asked if they had uh, any openings. And when I went into uh, West County, uh, I asked to see the superintendent everywhere I went while he was available. And I walked in the door and I was so surprised. And I said, well, Mr. Lynch, I don't know if you remember me or not. He said, if you're not Sharon Upchurch, you're her twin sister. <laughs> He was my freshman science teacher down at the old high school in in Lutesville. He taught in this basement room that was just awful, uh, and he was, oh, he was gruff, and he wasn't much older than we were, just right out of college, and we had to do an insect collection. <laughs> and a friend of mine and I went all out. You know, she was as wanted to be as good a student as I did. We had hundreds of bugs all labeled, and, you know, we got the same grade as somebody who got, you know, like 25. And I made the mistake of saying to him, well, how come so-and-so got an A for that many bugs? Ooh, he jumped down my throat. Well, you think you should get credit for everything you do? <laughs> but... Uh, I've stayed friends with his wife. He's passed away now, but I do know her. She taught at North County for years, and they were they went on our. We had senior trips back in those days. I worked all year to earn money. I sold the ice cream bars after school every day till the late buses came. But anyway, uh, they went with us. They were they were good good people. I think it's interesting that you were out of teaching for 16 years and there were hoops to jump through with recertification, whereas now... Yeah, I mean, it's really in difficult. The past, in the past, 
10 years, there, were, there was talk about whether a teacher could even keep one's job if the kids didn't perform well on a standardized test. So that's well, in my day, they gave lifetime certificates. Yes, yes. And mine was, you know, far seven through twelve, and they've broken up those certifications mm -hmm. into you can only be certified for nine through twelve or different and things. Three years, right? And you had to renew it every so often. Yeah. Of course, I had an Ohio teaching certificate. I also had an Indiana one because I had done a little teeny bit of substitute You're teaching just there. Certifications, <laughs> nobody's business. And, and so I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was any problem. I just applied for Missouri one and I got it. Now I had to do the coursework to get certified to teach English. Mm -hmm. And I did do that, but the home ex that wasn't your area. Yeah, the home ex lifetime, I had that. <laughs> but I never got my master's. I always said I would when our youngest graduated. And, <clears throat> and uh, I wish I, uh, nah, probably don't, but I would have made more salary and had a larger retirement if I had gotten that, but never did. Seemed like I was always too busy. I don't know. So how long did you teach then from from getting back into it? When did you retire? Uh, Eleven years ago. Okay. So I I think total I taught twenty three years and. Did you get to keep your years from other states? I bought it from Ohio. Mm -hmm. Stupidly, I always told every teacher never take your retirement out, because I had only taught two years in Ohio and and I thought well, that money's just you know, how much was it? I only made 6000 I think, my second year, you know. And uh, and then when I started planning for retirement, I decided to buy those years back. And uh, I don't mind to tell you, it cost me $17,000 to buy those two years of teaching credit back. So I was gambling that I'll live long enough to <laughs> draw enough retirement to have made that a smart move. Well, they say that the money that you use to buy them back will provide a higher interest rate than a savings account. That's true. Absolutely true. Missouri has one of the very best teacher retirement systems, and it's designed so that you have to be a committed teacher. Otherwise, you're going to look after that first couple of paychecks and say, I'm not taking that much out every time for retirement. Uh, can't afford that, can't pay off my loans, and so on. And so it's designed for a, a committed teaching career, really. If you stick it out, and then you'll have a good retirement. So what has it been like, uh, you know, coming back here and being here? Uh, how, how does it feel being in here? Well, at first, I, I loved the anonymous, being anonymous. Mm. I could go to Walmart, just run up to Walmart, and nobody knew who I was. I didn't have to worry about putting on a clean shirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. You mean when you came back from Ohio? Yeah. People knew Dwight, but I grew up in Belinger County. So they did not know me. But been, church has always been a big part of our lives. And so you make friends. And then students and parents you meet. And your kids' friends and their parents. And so you lost that. I soon a, lost that, yeah. So I had to think a little more about throwing something on and run up to Walmart. But, <laughs> but uh, it was really nice to, to be close to family again. Mm -hmm. We maintained a pretty close bond for being that far away. Mm -hmm. Dwight want, had always wanted to be a pilot, mm -hmm. and so he took 
flying lessons and we bought a little plane and we came back and forth pretty often uh, to visit our families. And then he encouraged me to get my license as a safety thing and I did. To fly? Yeah. And and uh, so we 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 did maintain a pretty close family relationship even being that far away. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we had some quite <sighs> good adventures. Uh, We've laughed several times about when you're young because we'd head home and run into a line of thunderstorms, bad weather, and land at an airport and didn't get any better. There's at least two or three times that we slept on the chairs in the uh, airport uh, terminal. I mean, it's a little bitty airport. This was before you had children? Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think. We might have had Michael once, our oldest. And would you fly down to Fredericktown Airport or another? Yeah, Fredericktown. Okay. We usually stopped and refueled over at Carbondale mm-hmm. on the way in. Mm-hmm. After there, uh, Mr. Crater down at, at Louisville, we call it Marble Hill now, became a steel, chainsaw steel uh, distributor. And he flew a little bit larger plane, and they built a runway down there. So that was more convenient for uh, my parents. Uh, But we didn't land there as much. Shorter runway, kind of in a valley. No phone there, so we had to circle around Mom and Daddy's house until she came out and waved at us. She knew she was supposed to come pick us up. (laughs) But I did fly by myself and with the kids some. And uh, once took my mother down to Steele, Missouri, to visit her sister when I was here. And uh, that was easy, flat country flying over, easy to find your landmarks. Mm. Took the kids and a babysitter when we lived in Indiana, just the babysitter and three kids. And we went to the World's Fair in uh, Knoxville. Tennessee, and uh, a little bit scary, but uh, great, you're, great you're experience. The, you're perhaps the first person I've ever talked to that, that talks about flying almost like just driving, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun, though. We went, uh, Dwight and I went a lot of places. Uh, Some of it was kind of scary, but I remember some place in Tennessee, we landed, and it's down in the mountains around, and warm enough that I was really worried that we were going to get enough altitude mm-hmm. to get high enough to get out of that that airport. And once I remember, we went back to Iowa more than once to visit friends. And I remember over Illinois, it was quite thunderstorm development day. And uh, you'd get caught in an updraft. You, no matter what you did, you were going up. Mm-hmm. And that was very scary to me. And the, Corn shucks were flying around out in the air like, is this going to turn into a tornado or what? So that was a little bit, a little bit frightening, I thought. That's fantastic. This is very revelatory. (laughs) Revelatory. So do you you still fly? No. We moved here and went back to school, see, uh, wash you to be a lawyer. And so we sold the plane. He had a little Porsche car that he sold. He loved that little car. And uh, we sold all our Procter & Gamble stock. And uh, and we're okay until he got through school. And John got in school and I went back to work. So that was what we decided to do. Did you say, I don't think you did, what what prompted him to leave the career in chemistry and go into the lawyer? Is there anything particular? Uh, short interest span, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Um, I think he liked being a research chemist. He had several patents, right. and, and originally he thought he wanted to be a patent lawyer. I think he just got an itch to do something different. Mm. At one time, Dwight uh, operated a little newspaper here in town. Mm. It was another itch he scratched, the Ozark Gazette. Mm. And he loved doing that. I don't know how he had time, but he loved doing it. And so, and he's had other, other ventures, too, besides mm. just being a chemist and being a lawyer. Um, one question I have... Um, so here we are, it's 2019, um, you're not teaching anymore, do you have any grandkids? We have four. Four grandkids. Mm -hmm. Are they all still in the area? No, um, our older son lives here, uh, you might know he's the doctor here in town, and, uh, his, he has two girls, and, uh, the oldest one is a sophomore in college, the youngest one's a junior here in high school. Our daughter is a middle child, and she lives in Overland Park, which is Kansas City area, and uh, she is an attorney, and uh, they have two little boys, not that little, 12 and 9. Just entertained them for a week last week. Uh, great fun. We don't see them as often, of course. And John's our youngest, and I'm sure you've met him. He's a very sociable person, either at historical society or programs here at the library or bell ringing season he is the bell number alarm. one yeah, I've eight seen him there many times. Yeah. Uh, uh, bell ringer for frederick town salvation right. army and he has some little enterprises of his own he raises miniature horses mm. he has chickens he raises pumpkins he has always some enterprise going just thinking about technology and the internet and do you use those things like where do you fall in, in all of that i'm guessing as a teacher you're probably more up to date than a lot more well pilot. yeah and or pilot. Nah, that didn't didn't seem to be yeah. that technical back then uh i did get my instrument rating which was uh you know flying without being able to see but um i do use technology I like email. I use that to keep up with friends and family that are scattered. Um, I Google lots of things and look up how do you, how do you grow a peach tree from a peach seed, that kind of thing. But that's social. No, I I think Facebook is evil. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's a little uh, dangerous. Uh, my husband is completely computer savvy and when John and I can't figure out something or fix something we've messed up, well, he can always do that. But he uses it all the time with work. And uh, and if all else fails, the grandkids can usually fix it for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, I'm not... A f it, to me, it is a concern, like just having had the grandsons, how dependent mm. or how addicted mm. they are to uh, devices. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think back to the summers on the front porch, mm -hmm. uh, family, uh, uh, strong family ties there. And maybe that the media today will not influence that. I don't know. But it is a big change that I see from communicating face-to-face, -face, enjoying listening to other people's stories and telling your own, and doing it... Uh, in little uh, U, uh, you know, C, uh, you know, letters. And uh, I like the voice. I like the faces. So I use it. I order things from Amazon, too. And I, uh, you know, but 
Well, it sounds like you have a healthier relationship. You're using it as a tool as opposed to, I think for a lot of people, especially maybe younger generations, it's not just a tool that they use to enhance their life. It's sort of the focus of, you know, the screen is in for, like you say, the screen is always there. Mm -hmm. You haven't achieved a, a healthy balance maybe? Yeah. Well, that that's a positive way to, to describe that, I think, an accurate way to describe that. But I know my last year of teaching, we went to a computerized grading system. Every grade had to be entered. And, of course, then it gave you the grade, the end. And it was really challenging for me. That I wished, great quick. Yeah, and I wished I had retired one year sooner. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thanks to uh, two or three young men, teachers we had, math, they were math teachers. Mm. They could fix things that I messed up or uh, find me what I was looking for, and I survived. Uh, I'm sure it's... uh, But I kept a grade book, too, uh, which some people didn't. Mm. But... uh, I think it was required back in those early days. It might have been. But I did make mistakes, you know, in entering something, in both in a grade book, and I would first admit that to a parent. They said, how did my kid get this? Well, let's figure it out. And, you know, I make mistakes. And uh, so they show up both ways. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to get around systems. Some teachers were very clever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> you wish you'd have known that, huh? Well, what's an A? So many points. You just enter that. There they go. You see? There you go. And they're done. <laughs> oh, I'm telling tales. Yeah. I'll be in trouble. Well, I have to say that when I was learning grade quick to female teachers, and they were both older than I was. That's so, neat. Yeah. So to give credit where. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Part of it is an interest and a mindset. And I, I really don't like spending a lot of time on the computer. Oh. It's just not my favorite thing to do. I was going to ask, so I think I know the answer. Um, like one thing I like about like the tablet, is I can have so many books. I can, there's, it's, it's amazing Condensed. what you can have, yeah, what you can carry around on something so light. I can have about a hundred, a thousand books on here. Yeah. And I guess you, you probably prefer paper books. I like it in my yeah. hand. I've got a Kindle mm-hmm. and I so rarely easy. use it. Sometimes. I do read at night in bed. But that's, that's a little table side are for. But I've got my book in my right. head, and I love this library. I uh, mm. usually check out three. I go for the newer. I read a lot of the older books, but uh, go for the newer books, and uh, and some of them I'll say, nah, not for me, or I'll say, well, I'll finish it, but and then some of them are just marvelous, and I, mm. I just enjoy the. The talent, the skill of a writer to develop their characters or to weave their their story together so interestedly, mm-hmm. and I think this library is marvelous. And I guess you use libraries in all places where. You- yes, uh, of course, in college you had to, uh, and then where we lived in Ohio, we lived close to a very small town. It was nine miles to the closest but it was probably about the size of Fredericktown but had a good little library and we used it so being back here in Madison County and Fredericktown you like you like this you still enjoy living in a small town I do it's intimidating for me to drive in St. Louis Mm. uh the traffic you know I'm just I do it when I have to yeah I was just gonna say (laughs) you'd rather fly wouldn't you (laughs) 
Well, airports today have become a little complicated too. Uh, you yeah. have to get there two hours early, and then you got these long lines. Uh, you know, it's not so fun as it used to be either. But uh, I like I like where we live. I get up every morning and and am thankful for where we live, for the beauty of the trees and and the, you know flowers. And I grow a big garden, and for the productivity of the soil. Uh, uh, all the things that uh, that we have around us, and uh, very very thankful for that. Mm-hmm.